All right, Jabal said, good morning, let us begin. I'll begin by thanking our sponsor, our Tamil Torah sponsors, for the month of Cheshvan, Mayor and Rachel Gold, for dedicating all of the Shi'urim and Drashos this month in memory of Yonah Tzvi, Ben Yosef Chaim Elazar HaKohen, and Noam and Leah Efron in honor and celebration of the 98th birthday of Noam's grandfather, Yosef Herschel Ben Mordechai Halevi. We also thank our Week of Learning sponsors, Jack Bennett, for dedicating the learning this week in memory of Givati Brigade Lieutenant Asaf Rosenfeld, who fell in battle on February 26, 1998, in southern Lebanon. We hope that the merit of our Talmud Torah. The Nisham Slavin Aliyah, the families in the Chama, and all those who require a refuah should have one together with Kol Chole Yisrael. But with that, let us begin. We have an incredible daf ahead of us today. We actually have a, have a lot to do today, hence our, uh, hence our little bit of an earlier start. Thank you for accommodating. Today's daf is Chavav, 26, but we are picking up Emirat Hashem at the Mishnah, the new parak on Chav Hei Amad Beis 25b. So it says the Mishnah, we'll say beautiful, beautiful Mishnah ahead of us. Ra'u Beis Din B'chol Yisrael. So we'll say here's the case. Okay, still continuing. Actually, I just want to point out something very interesting. This is actually the, you know, the title of the parak is Ra'u Basin, okay, which usually the title of the parak, it just goes after the first Mishnah. So this Mishnah, once again, speaks about Kedesh HaChodesh. What I just want to point out to you is this is actually the last Mishnah that speaks about Rosh, Rosh Chodesh. Excitingly enough, right after this, we are about to transition into the Halachas of Rosh Hashanah. The halachas of Shofar. So again, even though this is the beginning of the parak, this is actually the only Mishnah in the parak that discusses this. Okay? Sara'u Beisdin B'chol Yisra. So here's the case. Following situation. Beisdin, the actual Beisdin itself, the Beisdin Agadol, the Sanhedrin, and Kol Yisrael, and everyone, all Jews, see the new moon. So I will say, in the previous case we've been discussing, you had two witnesses who saw the moon. In this case, everyone saw the moon. Ra'u Beisdin B'chol Yisrael, Nech Kuru the witnesses were cross-examined, right? They were questioned. But here's what happened. So all the pieces were in place to declare the new month. So let, let's, let's just keep a very simple case. Everybody saw the moon on night 30, right? Witnesses saw the moon, Beisdin, so everyone saw the moon. Good witnesses show up in Beisdin on day 30. Beisdin does all the Jishas v'chakiros, all the cross-examinations, and they're ready to go, right? Everything is perfectly lined up. What ends up happening? What ends up happening? They run out of time. That's what ends up happening. They, they just simply ran out of time. So what happens? So therefore, they never got a chance to declare the new month while it was still day. By definition, it becomes uh, a full month. So in other words, I will say the failure to declare the new month on day number 30 automatically creates a, a, an additional day in that month. Okay, Ra'u'a Beisdin Bilvad. So that's case one. We'll analyze these cases in the Gemara. Ra'u'a Beisdin Bilvad. What happens if Beisdin saw it? So both say this is an interesting case. Let's say you have a following situation. Beisdin themselves saw the new moon. They themselves saw the new moon. Yam dushnayim v'ya'idu bifnehem v'yomru mekudosh mekudosh. So both say let's assume right now that we're dealing with the Sanhedrin, 71 judges. So let's say the Sanhedrin, they're having a, I don't know, a holiday party, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever they're doing, right? They're, they're, they're together, they're together, they're having a, they're, right? They're, they're just, whatever it is. And Lamaisa again, so they all see the moon together, the night, night 30. So we'll say, what's the halacha? The next day, the next day, Yam dushnayim, two of them, should separate from the rest of the group. 
And they should give testimony in front of the rest of the Beisdin. And as a result, Yom Mekudosh Mekudosh. So we'll say, so what's happening in this case over here, the Sanhedrin as a group saw the new moon. So the pr- procedure is two of them separate from the group become witnesses and they testify in front of the rest of the group which serves as the Beisdin. What happens if three people go ahead and see the new moon and they're a Beisdin? Yam Duashan so said, again, in ter- it's interesting in this Mishnah because generally we've assumed that the only body vested with the ability to Makadesh the Chodesh is the Sanhedrin, right? 71 judges. Tulsus discusses over here that we could be talking about a Beisdin of 23 judges. And under extenuating circumstances, you could have a Beisdin even of three judges who declares the Nimun. So the Mishnah is just going through all of the different cases. So if you have three people who are, who are a Beisdin, and I will say all three of them see the new moon, so what's Talacha? two of them should separate, they become the witnesses, and they find a couple of additional guys to join the one remaining judge to serve as the Beisdin. They give their testimony in front of the Beisdin, and the Beisdin then declares, because of course one person is not believed to be an aid for Kedesh HaChodesh. So therefore I will say, Interestingly enough, three different cases. Case number one is where the large Beisdin sees, sees the moon. Again, two of, two of the people separate out. They serve as witnesses, testify before the rest of the group. Second case, second, actually I should only say, right? Se- second case is where three, right? Three are Beisdin of three sees it. Two of them separate out, become witnesses. And again, obviously you need more than one to serve as the Beisdin. You get another two to sit with the Beisdin. Good. So says the Gemara. Well, so let's go back to the first case in the Mishnah. So we'll say, remember again, case number one of the Mishnah was where the Beisdin and all of Am Yisrael saw the new moon. Remember, what happened in case number one of the Mishnah? What happened in case number one? They ran out of time. On day 30, on day 30, they're questioning the witnesses, testimony checked out, but by the time they get around to actually declaring the new month, it's already dark. It's already dark. So the Gemara says, by the way, why do you have to say that the Beisdin and Kal Yisrael, all of Am Yisrael saw the new moon? Why do you have to say that? So the Gemara says, listen to this. It's Because you might have thought in a case where the new moon was so public and so apparent that everyone saw it, even though you didn't get a chance to formally declare the new month on day 30, come on, it's declared, right? Everyone saw it. Kamash Malon, though. They both say, Kamash Malon, and this is really fast, Kashalon, there's a process. There's a process. And we will say, you know, this is, this is, you know, I, I remember when I was young, I used to do my, uh, my math homework with my father. So my father is very, very, very gifted in math and science. Skipped a generation, like <laughs> profoundly skipped a generation. So I remember I used to do math problems, and he would always, he would, and if I write the answer, so, so he would say, where's, show the work. Show the work. You have to show the work, right? Because in order to learn, which, which again, I was very, res- I'm not going to lie, I was very resentful of as a kid, right? But Lamais is absolutely correct, and not just correct in math, but correct in life. That if you want things to really be done correctly, there has to be a process. People who kind of live life in general by just like chaplop, and there's no, there's no process. You're not showing your work. Sometimes things work out. Sometimes they work out. More often than not, they don't. There has to be a process. There has to be a framework. So that's the Gemara saying over here. Everyone saw the new moon. 
everyone saw the new moon. But there's a process. <laughs> and what's the process? The process is that Beisdin says, Mekudosh, Mekudosh, that's the process. So the Gemara says, the Tanalei, Ra'ua, Beisdin, Chol Yisrael, Nechkura, Idim, Lamali. So, okay, so then you, the, listen to how the case is structured. Beisdin saw it, all of Cloud Yisrael saw it, the witnesses were cross examined. Why do you need that phrase? This is what it means to say. That even, right, even if everything is in place, right, everything is in place. And again, the Beisdin saw it, the witnesses saw it, Cloud Yisrael saw it, but she didn't, the witnesses were cross-examined. But again, if you're already telling me that it's supposed to so once again, it contributes to the Havamina. So here's what the case is, right? Beisdin saw it. Klal Yisrael saw it. You, you questioned the witnesses. Their testimony checked out. You did everything. The only thing you didn't get to do was what? Was what? Was to say Mokudash. You just didn't get to say the words. So you would have thought that, come on. Come on, that's Mokudash, right? That's good, you're ready to go. Kamash no. The process is the process is the process. So the Gemara says, well, at the end of the day, if it became dark, if it became dark, so why do you have to even bring up that the Edom are cross-examined? in does not sit in session at night. We've spoken about this, right? This is why Halacha Lamaisa, if you forget Yalev Yavo tonight, right, tonight, Israel Shchodesh Haba'alin Latova. So if you go ahead and you forget Yalev Yavo in Mayriv of Rosh Chodesh, what's the halacha? You do not have to repeat. Why not? Because Yalev Yavo is the way we sanctify the new month. And it mirrors based in sanctification. Based in did not sanctify at night because they're not in session at night. So if I forget Yalev Yavo, I don't have to go back either. So the Gemara says, once it became dark, why even getting into Hakira Seed? Once it becomes dark, we're done. To which the Gemara says something amazing. It's Tirks Adait Hamina, Tehevet Hakiras, Edim Kitrilas Din, Umekudash Mekudash Kigemar Din. This is fascinating. We both say it is true that Halacha Lemaisa, Beisdin does not sit in session at night. But there is an interesting exception to this rule. What's the exception to this rule? So the Gemara says, before we get to the exception, the Gemara says, I would have thought that in the Kiddush HaChodesh process, it goes like this. The cross-examination, or I should say the examination of the witnesses, that's what we call tchilas din, the beginning of the din, the beginning of the process. And the actual articulation of mekudash mekudash, that's the gimar din. But it's one process. There are bookends, right? The beginning of the process is the examination of the witnesses. The end of the process is mekudash mekudash. Now, if that's true, watch this. And if that's the case, then even when the process ran into nightfall, past chashecha, you should still be able to declare the new month. Why? Listen to this, because it should be like financial law. This non dine mamanis done in bayom the government balayla. I will say what's the halacha? If Beisdin begins a monetary case by day, but they have not reached a verdict by day, they are permitted to continue into the night. Right? So, say, so by monetary law, even though, again, we don't judge at night, if something started during the day, you could finish it up at night. I would have thought Kiddush HaChodesh should be just like monetary law. And therefore, again, the, the examination of the witnesses is the Tchilas Din. Once you start that, and what's, what, and what's the end of the process? What's the end of the process? What's the end? Mekudosh Mekudosh. Once you started during the day, excuse me, I would think, that you have the ability to finish it even at night. 
questionable say that no, that so once once it becomes nightfall, you're done. Right? Basin is closed for the day. And again, even if the basin saw the moon, Cloud Yisrael saw the moon, you had the examination of the witnesses, but you didn't get a chance to say Makudash Makudash before nightfall. Halacha lemaisa, we, we, we don't do it. Again, it becomes, it becomes a 31 day month. Rabbi says, we've seen before, is Bezin Mekadesh the Chodesh on a 31 day month? No. No, because no, it's already, it's, it's Mekudash Me'ilab. So interesting enough, in that case, where all the pieces were done, but they didn't get the same Mekudash Mekudash. That's, that's all they're missing over here. Rabbi say, you, you know, again, sometimes in life, the difference between success and failure is the ability to move yourself those last couple of inches, right? It's only an inch, right? It's, it's only an inch between before the finish line and after the finish line. But that inch makes all of the difference to completing the particular initiative in life. You have everything in this case. We saw the moon, Cloudy saw it, the Bayesden saw it, the witnesses are perfect, they're fantastic, everything is great. All you're missing is one word, well, three words altogether, right? The Abbezden, Makudash, Everyone else says, Makudash, Makudash, and we're done. But the failure to move that last inch, and I both say, isn't this the greatest challenge in life? How many of us have like a closet full of life initiatives that I've almost finished? I've almost finished, right? I, I, I'm so close, but whatever the reason, often for whatever the reason, interest wanes right before the finish line. I'm right there. I'm right there, but no, nah, nah, cl- close enough, but it's not close enough. If you don't cross the finish line, you don't cross the finish line. The project is not complete. The initiative is not complete. The goal is unmaterialized. What an incredible musser. If you don't get to the finish line before it's dark, you didn't finish. No matter how close you are, it's not done. So the Gemara says, But why not? Why don't we say that the Chakira Sa'idim should be the Trilas Din, Mekudosh Mekudosh should be Gemar Din, and as long as you start by day, you should finish at night. Amar Kra, here we go. Ki Chokli Yisrael Hu Mishpat Leloke Yaakov. And I will say, now remember again, the Gemara quoted this Pasuk before, much earlier on in the Masechta, as a reference to Rosh Hashanah. But of course, Rosh Hashanah is also Rosh Chodesh. So the Pasuk says, Ki chok li Yisrael, hu mishpat leloke Yaakov. Eimas havi chok. Oh, if you look at Rashi, by the way, Rashi says, Mishpat haynu tchilas din. So the way the Gemara is darshaning the Pasuk is like this. Ki chok li Yisrael, hu mishpat leloke Yaakov. Eimas havi chok. When is something considered to be a statute? Begemar din. When the matter is completed. Yet here by Rosh Chodesh, the Torah calls the Chok, the Gemar Din, the declaration, the final completion of the declaration of Rosh Chodesh, it calls it a Mishpat. It's a Chok when it's completed, but it calls it a Mishpat. Just like Mishpat, justice, right? The verdict in the Beisdin can only be delivered by day. So too, again, Kiddush HaKodesh can only be done by day. Therefore, that's the first halacha in the Mishnah, that the actual Makudosh must be delivered by day, and if not, then ultimately it automatically becomes a, 30, a full 30-day month, and Rosh Chodesh will be on day 31. Incredible. Says the let's go right there. So remember again, next case in the Mishnah, Sanhedrin sees, Sanhedrin sees the new, the new moon. So what's the halacha? What's the halacha? Two of the, two of the members of the Sanhedrin serve as witnesses, and they testify in front of the rest of the Sanhedrin body. So it says, Why do you need that? If all the Sanhedrin, if the Sanhedrin sees the moon, 
So why do they, you hear this, listen to how strange this is. The Sanhedrin is out. There's a Sanhedrin field trip, right? They're all out together. They see the moon. They see the moon. So the Mishnah says, okay, here's what has to happen. Two of the members of the Sanhedrin have to separate from the group. They become the witnesses, testify in front of the rest of the group. Why do you have to rely on testimony? They saw the moon. Gidola Re'iyah Mishniya. So isn't seeing it better than hearing it, right? When you, when you accept testimony, you are relying on what someone else said versus relying on something that you see with your own eyes. Says the Gemara Mizira, No, 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 what's the case? It's actually very interesting. The case is where they saw the moon at night. They saw the moon at night. So what's they said, here's what's fascinating. Because they saw the... See, what the Gemara seems to be saying over here is as follows. If you look at Rashi, Shra'u Balaylo, Hilchach Lamachar, Ilav Shmiya Amai Kadshu. So Rashi seems to be saying something fascinating here. Rashi says that Enochinami, you could be right. That if Bezdin were to see it, if Bezdin were to see it, they could act based on what they saw. But that would only work if there was an immediacy between what they saw and the ability to declare. If there's an immediacy, then perhaps you could say, Gedola Re'iya Mishmiya. Seeing is even greater than hearing. But because in this case they're seeing it at night, therefore there's a lack of immediacy. Why is there a lack of immediacy? Why? Why? Because Basin doesn't sit at night. So they're going to see at night, but yet not begin the process until the next morning. At that point in time, Rashi says, there's no connection anymore between what they saw and what they're going to be ultimately be, be done, judge about, and therefore they have to rely on testimony. Which sounds like, according to Rashi, that if somehow, some way, they were to see the new moon by day, then what? Then what? They'd be able to declare based on what they saw. Which again, I, I, don't, I don't believe that's halach saw, but that seems to be the inference from Rashi. Okay, fascinating. So we'll say, now watch this. Case number three. Case number three. three you have a basin of three. A basin of three. They all saw the new moon. So what's that, Lacha? Two of them separate to serve as witnesses, right? And then obviously they have to find two more guys now to sit on the basin, to join in the basin. So the Gemara says, Amai, hachanami, neima lote shmiya gidolomeriya. Why don't we say the same thing? If a basin of three sees the new moon, so shouldn't seeing be better than hearing? And maybe you'll say this is the same case they saw the moon at night, and therefore there's no immediacy between what they saw and the judicial process. That is the same case as the one you just said before. No, the, 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 what the last case teaches us, Rabbi Osai, is a principle we've already seen before, namely that one person is not believed to testify regarding the new moon. I should say, I should say differently, that one person is not believed to serve as a Beisdin. So the Gemara says, why now? Why would you have a Havamina that one person could serve as a Beisdin? Listen to this because we actually have a concept like this in Halacha. Dine Mamanis, financial law, has to be decided by a Beisdin of at least three people. But if someone is a recognized expert, Recognized expert. Now, I will say, not recognized by himself. There are a lot of self-recognized experts, right? We're talking about somebody who's recognized by the rabbin, right? He's recognized by the general public as being an expert. Dan afilu biyachid. So I will say, this is actually quite fascinating. You can, under certain circumstances, have a basedin of one. 
It could happen. When it's a situation, ultimately, again, where the person is a recognized expert. So you might have thought, Hachanami, Nikad Shebi Yechidi. So you might have thought, again, that what happens if you have three guys, they're based in, right? One of them happens to be a recognized lunar expert. Right? The only person I like, like Rabbi Heber, right? You know, so, I, so one of them happens to be Rabbi Heber. It just came out to the Sefer, actually, which is fasc- fascinating about all of these uh, calendrical calculations. In any event, so, so let, let, let's, let's, say, let's say again, let's say you have somebody who's a recognized lunar expert. You might have thought, okay, three people saw the moon, let two of them separate as witnesses, because we've already seen you need witnesses, even if everybody sees it, and let the one expert remain as the Beisdin. Kamash Malondo, Kamash Rabo said that you have to go ahead and add two more, even if, even if the one remaining guy is an expert. But why not? In other words, if this works, if this indeed works by, by monetary law, then why shouldn't it work by Kiddush HaChodesh as well? So the Gemara says, because Because Rabo said, the truth is, when he came to the moon, when he came to the moon, there was no greater expert in lunar, lunar realities or lunar formations than Moshe Rabbeinu, right? But yet, even HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe, you know, you by yourself are not enough. Now, with Moshe, it happened to be that he had Aaron with him. So we'll say, this is incredible. So that, in other words, if it was true that a mumcha, that an individual expert, could serve as the Beisdin, so to speak, then Moshe Rabbeinu should have been able to do it by himself, but the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe, it has to be you and Aaron. Now again, obviously, there's still a kasha. That's only two. We need three. But again, the point the Gebar is making over here is that a Yochid Mumcha cannot do it himself. Cannot do it himself. Therefore, Allah Chalamaisa, in this case, where a basin of three people saw the moon, two of them become witnesses. That only leaves one for the basin. You add on two more people to the basin so they could be a proper three-person basin. We'll say, this Gemara is very striking. Because the Gemara here calls, it says, Here's supposed to say, you know Rashi. Rashi on the Pasik that says, Hachodesh lochem, rosh chadoshim, rosh chadoshim. So the Pasik says, Rashi is bothered by Hazeh. And what is Rashi quoting on the Pasik? You'll look it up. Rashi says, Niskasha Moshe Amolad Halavana. Moshe Rabbeinu could not figure out what the Ribbono Shal Olam was talking about. So what did HaKadosh Baruch Hu do to him? He said, we'll do it for him. Rabbi pointed to the moon. And he said, when the moon looks like this. So we'll say, isn't this incredible? So in his kashal Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu did not understand Kiddush HaKodesh. He did not understand what the moon was supposed to look like. And here the Gemara says, There is no greater mumcha more than Moshe, which I will say tells you something absolutely amazing, which is even the things we struggle with in life, we have the ability to develop proficiency. Even the things which right now are my weaknesses, even the things which I can't wrap my head around, even the things which I feel like I can't overcome, if I put my mind to it, if I put my mind to it, maybe I can not only overcome it, but maybe I can even become a mumcha. A Moshe who didn't understand the Levana, didn't understand the Levana, is called mumcha, which is really incredible. So the Gemara goes right there. The Gemara says, We'll say this is fascinating. Our Mishnah clearly does not reflect the view of Rabbi Akiva. Why? What did Rabbi Akiva say? Listen to this case. Let's say Ruvain murders Shimon in front of the Sanhedrin. 
Let's talk about poor timing, right? Right. So Reuben goes ahead and kills Shimon right in front of the Sanhedrin. So what's the halacha? Top of Chavav. So now remember, now remember. So some part, some. So we'll call it two members of the group or whatever number of the group. Go ahead and become witnesses, and the rest serve as the basis. So we'll say what ends up happening over here. The Gemara says. Dear Rabbi Tarifon, Rabbi Tarifon says that essentially, we'll call it two members of the Sanhedrin recuse themselves from the Beisdin and they testify in front of the remaining members of the Sanhedrin. And then the remaining members of the Sanhedrin ultimately serve as, serve as the judges. Rashi says, so we'll say, so again, remember, once again, you could ask, I, isn't Ri'ia better than Shmir? The Sanhedrin saw it. Sanhedrin saw it. No, because again, there's a process. And the process requires actual testimony. That's Rabbi Tarifon. Watch this. Rabbi Akiva Omer, no. Kulan Nasu Eidim. This is incredible. Rabbi Akiva says, incorrect. When the Sanhedrin observes something, they are no longer able to serve as the judges. They can't serve as the court. Rather, again, they're all aidim. They're all witnesses. And look what Rabbi Akiva says. And an aid, a witness, cannot become a judge. Cannot become a judge. So we'll say, so the Gemara says, therefore, you see over here, our Mishnah clearly doesn't reflect the view of Rabbi Akiva. Why not? Because what's the Mishnah? What does our Mishnah say? Our Mishnah says, right, three witnesses see the new moon. So three people, a basin sees the new moon. So what happens? Two of them become witnesses, right? And one of them remains a judge. One of them remains a judge. And you just added two more people to the tribunal of the Beisdin. So Rabbi Akiva would say, no, once a group witnesses something, right? They're no longer Dayanim. They can't be judges. Rather, by definition, by definition, they're all Adim. So our Mishnah clearly doesn't reflect the view of Rabbi Akiva, to which the Gemara says, no, no, no. If you look at Rabbi Akiva, Ad kalokam Rabbi Akiva hasam elabdine nefashas. Rabbi Kiva says, no, this is only a din by capital crimes. Only by capital crimes do we say that a witness cannot become a judge. And once you witness something, by definition, you cannot serve in a judicial capacity. Why? Because the Pasik says, The Pasik says that the, the, literally the congregation will judge him and they will save him. Which means, I will say, that there is an obligation upon Beisdin to try to find a way to save the murderer from being sentenced to death. That's how, that's how the judicial system is set up. Right? Find some type of merit. It doesn't mean merit mitzvahs that he did. What it means is that the way, the way the judicial system is slanted is that in capital cases, we try to find any excuse not to execute. Not to execute. And the problem over here is the chivan, the The problem is once the Sanhedrin actually saw Reuven kill Shimon, if they observed the murder, it's impossible for them to be malamit tzchos. Impossible for them to find something favorable in the murderer. Aval hocha afidu Rabbi Akiva moda. So we'll say, so Rabbi Akiva holds in aid nasa dayon that a that a witness cannot become a judge in capital cases, and that's for a very specific reason because halacha lemaisei is the job of the court to find a schus for the murderer that ultimately again would at least get him off the hook from execution. That's their job. And if you observe the event, Rabbi Akiva says, it is impossible that you are going to find the schus for the murderer. 
But by Kiddush HaKodesh, even Rabbi Akiva would agree that an aid could become a Dayan. Because that same wrinkle that exists by capital cases does not exist by Kiddush HaKodesh. And I will say that is indeed how the Rambam Baskins, that ultimately, again, but at least by Kiddush HaKodesh, aid Nasa Dayan. But I will say, I want to tell you something amazing based on Rabbi Akiva's statement. What is Rabbi Akiva really saying? What is he really saying? He sings something so incredible. When we see things, see, everybody likes to say that they're not judgmental. Everyone is judgmental. Everyone is judgmental. And if you think you're not judgmental, you're just a little, you're not, maybe you're not judgmental, you're just delusional. Right? Everyone is judgmental. And when we see something, by definition, we automatically pass judgment. We pass, it's just, and again, that's what Rabbi Akiva is saying. Ein Eid Naasadayon means that when you see something, you've formed an opinion about it already. Right? You, you see someone, we do this all the time, you see someone, how they're dressed, how they act, how they behave, they don't even say one word, and you already have them sized up. Again, we don't like to admit this, but this is part of human nature. We create a construct of judgment of every single person who walks within our Dalit Amas. So Rabbi Akiva is saying, just recognize how inherently judgmental we are. Ein Eid Naasadayon means that we form an opinion from initial interactions. And once I form an opinion, once I form an opinion, it's very hard to be objective. It's very hard to be impartial. And I will say, what an incredibly important way to live life, to recognize that we are judgmental. And to recognize, we'll say, how many times has it happened that you see someone, you ever see people who have like an angry look to them? Like an angry look. And you see them and you're like, wow, like, I don't want to have anything to do. And then what happens? They open up their mouth and they speak so softly, and they're so nice. They're like, wow, I didn't expect that. You look like such a jerk, right? And, and now you seem like so nice. And it happens all the time where someone's dressed a certain way, and you pass a certain judgment based on them, based on the way, how, in, in any direction. And I will say, Rabbi Akiva says, yeah, ain't aid na'asadayan. Know that you're judgmental. It's so important for us to recognize and to accept the fact we, we, should, we have to work on it, but inherently, innately, we are judgmental. We form opinions about anyone and everything immediately. So to recognize that we are pretty much biased in every single thing in life. I was thinking that it went of Lady Yitzchak Abedidja, read this Gemara. He must have said, he, I, I never saw it, but he must have said, Ribono Shal Olam, Ein Eid Naasadayan. This is the greatest defense of Klal Yisrael. Kaddish Baruch if you see everything, if you see everything, you have Eidos for everything, then you can't be a dying. You can't judge either. You see all my Averis. If you see me do it, then by definition, by definition, you can't be the judge. I think Rabbi Yitzhak would have said something like that. Being the great advocate of Klal Yisrael. It's such a good defense for Klal Yisrael. If you see it, Ain't aid na'asa dayan. Let's go right there. We'll see, now we come to Hilchaz Rosh Hashanah. Kala shofros k'sherim chutz mishal para. All shofros are kosher, except for that of a cow. Mipnei shehi keren. Ultimately, again, because it is not called a shofar, but rather it is called a keren. It's called a horn. On Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi says, I, first of all, take a look at Rashi. Rashi says, Rashi keren. Eno kari shofar. Right? The horn of a cow is not called a shofar. Rather, again, the Gabi Yom HaKippurim, shofar ksiv. Vavarta shofar trua. So the Gemara says, Vavarta shofar trua. But one second. 
All other shofros are also called the Karen. They're also called horns. Shnemar bimshoch Karen Hayovel. Bimshoch big Karen Hayovel. Ultimately, again, when you will blow the Karen and the Yovel, again, we'll talk about this in the Gemara, what exactly this exchange means. So we'll see here, the Gemara introduces us to the idea that in order for something to be used as a shofar, it has to be called a shofar and not a Karen. I says the Gemara Shapir Kamar Rabbi Yosi Verabanan. Shapir Kamar Rabbi Yosi. So we'll say, so remember again, we have fundamental machlokas. Rabbanan say you can't use the horn of a cow for shofar because it's called a karen. Rabbi Yosi says, one second, every shofar is called a karen. Bimshoch bekaren hayovel. So says the Gemara, Rabbi Yosi is saying good. He's saying good. So why, why did the Rabbanan do it? This Verabanan kalash shofros ikru shofar ve ikru karen. The para karen ikri, shofar lo ikri. The Rabbanon will answer. They will say, you're right, Rabbi Yossi. All shofros are called karen, but not all karens or kronos are called shofros. So the, so the horn of a, of a cow is called a karen, but it's not called a shofar. Versus, again, let's say the horn of a ram, the horn of a goat. Those are called karen, but they're also called shofar. Tichsev bechor shoro hadar lo, bekani reim karnov. As I will say, because it says Bechor Shara Darlo Vekanim Karnov Rabbi Yosi Amar Lecha De Para Nami Ikri Shofar. We'll say, watch this. Rabbi Yosi will say it's not true. Uh, right, the horn of a cow is also called the shofar. We'll say, get ready for this. Where do we get that from? Dechsev Vatitov LaHashem Mishar Par. Because we'll say the pasuk says, quoting over here from Tehillim, Vatitov LaHashem Mishar Par. Now, we'll say just to give you the context of the pasuk. Rashi says over Vatitov LaHashem Tfilosi Mishofar Mishar Par. So we'll say David Amalek is saying this, the straight translation of the pasuk is Vatitov LaHashem. My tefillah, David Melch is talking about his prayers. My tefillah to Hakadosh Baruch Hu is better misharpar, is better than even like the biggest of animals, the biggest of karbanos. David Melch was saying the power of my tefillah is even more impactful, more powerful than the most incredible karban. So I will say, listen to this: imshar lamapar, vimpar lamashar. Now I will say the way we translate shar is an ox. The way we translate par is often as a bull, right? So ultimately, again, the Gemara, so the Gemara asks, why do you have to say, my tefillah is better, mishar par, from an ox and a bull. So the Gemara says, if you're saying shar, you don't need par. If you're saying par, you don't need shar. Get ready for this. Elamai shar par, mishofar. <laughs> wow. Wow. So I'll say, Rabbi Yossi says like this. It's so beautiful. Rabbi Yossi says, Dalamach is saying, Vasidav Hashem, my tefillah, my tefillah, Ultimately, again, is more impactful to Hashem than ultimately, again, even the shofar. Rashi says, Shar Shupar, Biyom Shanikra Shar Hayagadol Kipar. Well, actually, we're not up to that. So I will say, so therefore, again, you see over here that even the par is called, even the para is called the shofar. It's called the shofar. Now, again, that's a little bit of an interesting drasha, but Lamais Rabbi Yossi saying, Mishar Par is Mishofar. So as such, the horn of a par is also called a shofar. As such, it can be used for Rosh Hashanah. For Rabbanon, Kid Rav Masna. The Rabbanon dash in that Pasik like Rav Masna. The Amr Rav Masna, my sharpar. What does sharpar mean? So it means, my sharpar, shugadl kipar. It means a shar that is as large as a par. An ox that is as fully formed as a bull. So the Gemara says, 
If you look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, Shor Shupar, Biyom Shenikra Shor Hayagadol Kipar, Zeh Shor Shamay Sebereshes. Shabiyom Shenivra, Nivra Bikamaso. Bishar ben Yom Okari Shor. So we'll say, so ultimately, again, this goes back to the Gemara before that we had earlier in the Masechta, where the Gemara explains that everything that was created was created in its full form. Was created in its complete form. So David HaMelech is saying that my tefillah is even better than a sharp power. A sharp power, the means a fully formed shar. Interestingly enough, the, the word shar, which we're translating as ox, could even refer to a baby ox as opposed to a par, which means a fully formed adult animal. So David HaMelech is essentially saying, my tefillah is more impactful than even a fully formed carbon. Okay, so the Gemara says, Ula Amar so, both say, so therefore again, what we have over here is as follows, simple machlokas. Can you use the horn of a cow or not for shofar? The Rabbanans say no, because it's called a karen, it's called a horn, it's not called a shofar. For Rosh Hashanah, you have to use something called a shofar. Rabbi Yossi is saying, yes, you can. Why? Because everything that's a shofar is also called a karen. It's also called a karen. Now, we'll say, now it seems to be even more, the Rabbi Yossi will say that the horn of, of, of a cow is also called a shofar. Where does he get that from? Ultimately from Tehillim, that contraction of words, Vasitev Lashem Misharpar, Mishofar, Mishofar, good. So the Gemara comes along and now, or, and now offers a different approach. Ula Amr, no, 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 no. I'm going to tell you why the Rabbanon say you can't use the horn of a cow. I'll tell you why. We'll say, here we go, this is so beautiful. says, why can't the Kohen Gadol wear his gold clothing when he goes into the Kodesh HaKadosh? Right, going back to Yuma a little bit. So remember again, the Kohen Gadol only wears big day Laban, only wears simple white clothing when he goes into the Kodesh HaKadosh. Why can't he wear his golden clothing? To which the Gemara says, Ultimately, again, because the prosecutor... The prosecutor cannot become the advocate. Literally, kategar means the prosecutor, sanegar means the defender, right? The prosecution cannot become the defense. Now, what is this a reference to? The gold represents chet eagle, the son of the golden calf. So therefore, again, the gold, which represents chet, and to a certain degree, the paradigmatic chet, cannot go ahead and serve as the defense of Klav Yisrael in the Kodesh HaKadoshim on Yom Kippur. You can't do Inkatega or Nasa Sanegar. And therefore, both say, same idea, the Rabbanon will say that what? The Rabbanon will say that the par, the, the horn of a par, which re- once again represents what? The Egel, right? The Egel cannot be used on Rosh Hashanah. So the Gemara says, well, one second. So the Gemara says, Velo, is that true? That, right, the prosecutor can't become the defender. What about Baha Ikadampar? Both again, back to our Yuma days. Remember again, one of the Karbanos that the Kohen Gadol shechted was a par. And they would sprinkle the dam of the par inside of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. So what do you mean, Enkategrenasas and Egernor? The Gemara says, no, no, no. Holy Ishtini Ishtini. That's different. Blood is blood is blood. In other words, you can't tell the difference between the blood of the par, the blood of the goat. So therefore, again, Allah Chalamaisa. Since it's changed form, we're not worried about in kategor na'asa sanegor. Aval, ika, aron, vikapores, ukruv, 
One second. We'll say there's a lot of gold in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, right? There's the Ark, right? There's the Kaporas, the lid. There's the Kruvin, right? The two angel-like figures. There's a lot of gold in there. So what do you mean, Ein Kategar Nasa Sanegar? To which the Gemara says, Chote Bal Yakriv Ka'aminon. What it means, the Gemara says, Chote Bal Yakriv, Rashi says, Ha'adam lo yakrivo halom shuchatabo. The issue with gold, both is incredible. When is gold problematic? When a person uses it as part of the service. That's the problem. In other words, the fact that there's gold in the Mikdash, there's nothing wrong with gold. The Cheta Ego is how we used gold. So what the Gemara is saying is, in Kategor Nas the prosecutor, the prosecutor cannot become the defender means we used gold in a way to create a distance between ourselves and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. To then use gold in the service, the human service, as a way of coming back, that's not appropriate. That's not appropriate. The prosecutor cannot become the defender. So the Gemara says, Aivahoyka Kafu Machta, but one second, there's the spoon, there's the fire, well, it's not really the spoon, the ladle, the ladle that you would use for ketores. There's the fire pan upon which you would hold the coals. Halacha, again, those are gold also. Chote bal What it means is you can't use gold as a form of adornment. In other words, what the Gemara pivots a little bit and says, you can use gold as part of service. You can't use it as adornment. So the very quite God to adorn himself and his clothing with gold, gold which was used in this, in this horrific fracture of relationship and the sin of the golden calf, that's not appropriate. If, it, if it's a service utensil, it's the arun, it's the kruvim, it's the kaf, it's the machto, that's fine. So the Gemara says, I ika big day zav mi bachutz. But one second, the Kohen Gadol does wear gold clothing outside of the Kodesh, right? Outside of the Kodesh HaKadosh, outside of the Holy of Holies. Maybe if them come in, you're right. The concept of in kategor nasa sanegar, that the prosecutor cannot become the defendant only applies when? Only applies when? Inside of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. It does not apply outside of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. But one second. So we'll say, so now remember, why are we bringing this up here? Because the Gemara is suggesting that Halacha Lamaisa, this is why you can't use the horn of a cow. Because the cow, that horn is also, is also symbolic of what? The Cheta Egel. So you can't go ahead and use In Kategor Nasa Sanegar. The Gemara says, but one second. You just say In Kategor Nasa Sanegar is only a problem where? Only a problem where? 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 Inside of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the Holy of Holies. Well, Shofar is blown outside of the Holy of Holies. So why is there a problem of in kategor nasa saying of shofar nami bachutz? Mostly, this is so beautiful. Kevan delizi karon hu dami. I'll say you have to remember this for Rosh Hashanah. Since the whole point of tkiyah shofar is to allow us to be remembered favorably before Hakadosh Baruch Hu, that being remembered favorably transports us into the Holy of Holies. When you blow the shofar, it's as if you are standing in the Kodesh Hakadoshim, the Holy of Holies, and because of that, the concept of in kategor nasa sanegar applies ultimately to Shofar as well. So the Gemara says, I have a hot time. So I'll just, I'll just mention just very, 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 very quickly. He'll say, you know, I was thinking about this concept of in kategor nasa sanegar, that the prosecutor cannot become the defense. If you think about it, it seems to be antithetical to what we learned in Rab Sadiq. Right, in Sidka Satsad is what you're thinking, right? Right, because in Sidka Satsad, what, what have we been learning? Right, that when you sin, when you sin is the ultimate moment of incredible rebound. And not only that, but your sin itself, your sin itself highlights the incredible co-host you have that if you turn that around, if you turn that around, ultimately can become your greatest strength. So if anything, I would have thought based on Rab Sadiq, that what should you be wearing over all of Yom Kippur? Gold, gold in the morning, gold, 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 the whole day. So I will say, so, that I didn't get to say the Masachik Bakuvio. 
piece on, on Sunday because I think it actually ties in. But say, remember again, the gambler, right? The gambler. So we spoke about that he's Pasola Eidos. So the Rambam says, the Rambam says, how does the gambler do tshuva? How does he do tshuva? He goes ahead and he has to break his dice. That's the Rambam says. So Rabbi Soloveitchik says, why does he have to break his dice? Why isn't it just enough to put the dice away? What if they have to, Rambam says, he has to smash the dice. Smash the dice, just put it up on a high shelf. So Rabbi Soloveitchik says something amazing. He says in life, there's chait and there's derech chotim. There's sin, but there's the pathway to sin. Sin doesn't just come up out of nowhere. Sin is often the result, is the culmination of a number of other negative behaviors that themselves may not be sinful. And I both say, this is an incredibly instructive exercise. You know, if, if I make a mistake in life, if I sin, it's incredible to trace my steps back and to see like, how did, what was the genesis of that? Because generally, a sin doesn't just happen. You don't just decide one moment to sin. There's a number of smaller factors that led up to that. So Rabbi Soloveitchik said, what the Rambam is saying is like this. If you want to stop being a gambler, if you want to stop sinning, it's not enough just to stop gambling. You have to break, you have to break away from that entire derech in life. And the way we symbolize the breaking away of that derech is the smashing of the dice. The dice don't, just don't, are not just dice. They represent a lifestyle. They represent an orientation. They represent a kivun, a derech. And the goal, if you want to be about tshuva, it's not just enough to stop gambling. I have to rid myself of that lifestyle, of everything that led me to this. So perhaps that's the pshat over here as well, which is that by not wearing gold, what we are focusing on is on the idea that even a cheta ego, a sin of the golden calf, we'll say, when did the sin of the golden calf occur? Or when did it begin? When did it begin? Think about this. When did it begin? It began, the truth is, as soon as we left Egypt. When we're standing by the banks of the Yamsuf, the Egyptians are in hot pursuit, and we say, Moshe HaMibli, in Kivaran B'Mitzrayim, you took us out to die in the desert, this is what we need. We didn't have Amuna. We didn't have proper Amuna. And that first manifested itself by, by, the, by the Yamsuf. And then, it, and then it happened again in Mara. And then it happened again with Slav. And then it ultimately culminated with the Chet Egel. And then again, there were a number of other episodes, and it culminated again in the Chet HaMiraglim. The fact that the coin Gadol can't wear gold, I think is the same idea as the gambler smashing his dice. You see, because real tshuva is not just simply the cessation, the cessation of sin. Real tshuva requires me to identify the derech chot im. You see, this is why often our tshuva doesn't last. Because all I do is I stop sinning, which is great, which is such an accomplishment in and of itself. But I don't recognize that it's not just about stopping to sin. It's about identifying the path, the lifestyle, the behaviors, the activities that lead me to this. And unless I'm willing to really stop those things, I'm going to end up right where I started. The fact that the coin Godot doesn't wear gold is the equivalent to the smashing of the dice. They represent ridding myself not only of the sin, but as the Rav would say, the derech chot im as well. The pathway to sin, the lifestyle to sin, has to be eradicated in order ultimately for comprehensive tshuva to occur. So the Gemara goes later. Karen. But one second, here's the problem. The problem, says the Gemara, is that at the end of the day, that's not what the Mishnah says. The Mishnah says that according to the Rabbani, you can't use the horn of a, of a par because, because, 
because it's called a keren, right? The Mishnah makes no reference to in kategor naaseh sanegor, to which the Gemara says chadavod kamar. The truth is, Rabbanon are giving two reasons. Number one, chadavod in kategor naaseh sanegor. Number one, the prosecutor cannot become the defender, and number two, vaod mipnei shuhu keren, and also because it's called a keren. So also, in fact, the Gemara explains that according to the Rabbanon, there are two reasons that you cannot use the horn of a cow. For for shofar. Number one, in kategor nasa sanegar. Number two, it's called the carrot. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi will say, Dika amrit in kategor nasa sanegar, hanimili bibifnim, vai shofar mi bachot. Rabbi Yossi will say, listen, I agree to the concept of in kategor nasa sanegar, but that concept only applies in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and shofar is blown outside. I have the Dika amrit in Veshu Karen. I, in that which you said, you can't use the horn of a power. Ultimately, because it's a Karen, I don't subscribe to that. All of the shofars are also called the Karen. Good. Abai gives another approach. So we'll say, so Ula's approach, Ula's approach was, according to the Rabbanon, you can't use the horn of a power. And it's also called the Karen and not a shofar. Comes along, comes along Abai. Abai gives a different reason. Sorry. Shofar Amrachmana Veloshnai, Mushlosha Shofros. Torah says you have to use a shofar and not two or three shofars. What does that mean? Vahad de para, kevan de kai gildi, gildi, mischazi, kishnai mishlosh shofars. But it's actually very interesting. If you look at the horn of a cow or of an ox, the way it grows is each year there's an additional layer of growth. And actually, when you look at it, it looks like multiple layers. So the problem, says Abai, according to the Rabbanon, is it looks like multiple shofros. Multiple shofros. And the Torah says you're only supposed to use one shofar. I Karen, but that's not what the Mishnah said. The Mishnah said you can't use the horn of a, a horn of a cow because it's a Karen. So the Gemara says Chadava old comer. Rabban is saying two reasoning. According to Abai, the Rabban is saying two reasonings. Number one, because the horn of a cow is not called the shofar; it's called the Karen. And number two, and number two. Because it looks like two or three shofros. Rabbi Yossi Amar Lachar. Rabbi Yossi will say first the intermediate wide lines. Rabbi Yossi Amar Lachar. Dika Amar Shofar Echad Amar Rachman Avdosh Shaim Mishlosha Shofros Keva Demachabri Adadi Chatu. Rabbi Yossi will say no. Just because it has multiple layers, they're all attached to each other. So because they're all attached, it's clearly one shofar, and therefore that's not a problem. Furthermore, and I that Rabbi on the chat a problem with the horn of a cow because it's called the Karen. All shofros in general are called a karen as well. So the Gemara says, so say, so this is the Machlokas, Rabbi Yossi and the Rabbanon. Again, three different versions of the Machlokas, but the Machlokas, can you use the horn of a karen or not? So say, again, it appears that really the approach of Ula is really the primary approach. That the Rabbanon say, in kategor naase sanegor, the prosecutor, and therefore again, the horn of the cow, which represents uh, Chita uh, Egel cannot become the defender for Trikia Shofar. And furthermore, again, it's called the Karen, not called the Shofar. Rabiosi will say, in Kategor Nasas only applies inside of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Shofar is blown outside. And furthermore, again, all Shofros are called Karen in general. That's the Machlokas. Says the Gemara, by the way, my Masha the Hayuvla, Lishna the Dichru. So we'll say, we get into an incredible sugi now. How do you know? That that which we call a yovel, a yuvla. So we'll say, because the Gemara in the Mishnah we quoted the pasuk bimshoch bekaren hayovel. How do you know that that refers to the horn of a ram? So the Gemara says this sanya amar Rabbi Akiva kishalachti la'arav yahayu korn le'dabra yuvla. This is incredible. Rabbi Akiva said when I went to when I went to Arabia, 
Rabbi Akiva traveled. When I went to Arabia, right? They used to call a ram's horn a yuvla. So Rabbi Akiva says that you see that that wording is used. I'm Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva says, when I went to Gaul, I will say, it's not clear. I don't know when Rabbi Akiva traveled. It's possible that this is even before he was Chosir B'tshuva. Right, it's possible that even before, it's possible that he went on missions for Klal Yisrael, I don't know. But he traveled, he traveled to Gaul. Hayukorim the Nida Galmuda. They would call the woman who was a Nida a Galmuda. Why Galmuda? Why do they call her a Galmuda? Gimula da Mibaila. It is a contraction, means Gimula means separated from her husband. Rabbi Kiva said, Kishalakti la Afriki. He's got frequent fire miles, Rabbi Akiva, right? Rabbi Kiva says, when I went to Africa, Hayukorim la Ma'a Kisita. They called the ma, which is a unit of currency, a kesita. Lamai nafka, you know, leferushe ma kesita. Because we'll say it helps us understand the phrase in Dimbrachus be ma kesita. Then remember again, this is when this is when Yaakov bought land from Chamor, from Shechem ben Chamor. They bought it from mea kesita. So mea kesita da oraisa mea danki is the equivalent of a hundred danki. Okay, I'm Rabbi So now what we're going to get into is as follows. See, just just understand how this whole thing started. We tried to understand how do you know that Yovel means a ram's horn. So Rabbi Akiva says, "Oh, I'll tell you because when I went when I went to Arabia, they called a dabra a dabra right. They called a ram's horn a yuvla. So you see over here that ram's horn means right, right Yovel Yovel Yuvla means a ram's horn. But let's say this opened the door now." to a whole bunch of discussions like this, which are absolutely incredible, about people who didn't know the meaning of certain words, but found those meanings in different contexts. Watch this. Um, Rabbi, Rabbi says, Rabbi, Rabbi, So Rabbi says, when I went overseas, they called a mechira, a transaction, a sale, a kira. So the Gemara says, I mean, okay, who cares? Because Rabbi says, this is helpful in understanding the Pasuk, when Yosef Atzadik is speaking to Paro and telling Paro that he needs to go ahead and bury his father, Asher Karisi Li. What is that Karisi Li? That I bought. That I bought. When I went to the border of Kan Nesharia, which was a city, they called the Kala. They referred to a Kala as a Ninfi. And a Tarnagal as a Sechvi. So the Gemara says, Lekala Ninfi Micra. What's the Pasuk that alludes to this? Yefei Nof Misos Kalaret. So we'll say, so beautiful. The way we translate this is, Yefei Nof, a beautiful bride. A beautiful bride is the joy of the world. Say, Yefei Nof became a contraction Ninfi. Well, the Tarnagal Sechvi, they called the Tarnagal a Sechvi. Why? Amrabi Huda, Amrabi, Baisim, Amrabi Shaman Levi, Micra. Mi shas betuchos chachma o minasan lesechvi vina. So we'll say, what does this phrase mean? Mi shas betuchos chachma. Now we'll say, now the way we're translating this phrase is as follows. It's literally who placed mi shas betuchos. Rashi translates betuchos is chalukos, smooth. Who placed? Who placed wisdom in the smooth ones? Rashi says, Elukhlois refers to the kidneys. Chazal had this idea that wisdom resides in the kidneys. So I think this is also where like the Lushan of, you know, you feel something in your kishkas, even though the kishkas aren't the kidneys, kishkas are the intestines. But at first, like feeling something in that mid part of your body, feeling something in your gut. So Chazal understood that wisdom resided in the kidneys. Oh, minasan, lesechvi vino. 
Oh, what does it mean? Who gave the sechvi understanding? What's the sechvi? Zet harnagol. This refers ultimately to the rooster, right? So sechvi is rooster. But I just point out the Aruch Hashulchan has a whole discussion over here where he discusses that, quotes other Gemaras that say that sechvi actually refers to the heart. Not right, and that's why this is machlok. It's what the bracha in the morning. Asher nasan lesech vivino lahabchin v'yom v'leilo. According to the Gemara, bringing our mesech's bracha, sechvi means the rooster, referring to that the Chazbarah who gave wisdom and everything. Our Chazshuchan quotes other opinions that say the sechvi means the heart itself. But again, the Gemara is saying sechvi means the rooster. Levi iglahu asras. Listen to this. It was a great story. Levi went to a particular place. So what happens? Asa gavra lekame. A guy comes to him and he says, Amrle. He says to Levi, Kabana planya. So. Ploni was kabon me. He kaboned me. He kaboned me. Lo hava yada my kamar. Levi had no idea what the guy was talking about. Right? So, so Levi had no idea. The guy, right, guy, right, guy runs over to him. Levi's down. You're not going to believe it. Ploni kabonly. Lo hava. So asa shalimay midrasha. So he went to the base medrash. And he says, does anyone know what this word means? So what, what, what does it mean? Kabon. What does that mean? Amr gazlon. They said to Levi, what it means is theft. What the guy was telling you was that he was robbed. He was robbed. He was telling you that a particular person robbed him. Because the Pasuk Nigmar quotes over here from Malachi. Could a person rob God? Right? Could a person rob the Ribbono Sha'olam? If I was there. So, so again, so the guy comes over to Levi. Levi has no idea what he's talking about. Goes to the base manager. What does it mean? Kabon, rob. So let's listen to this. So Rava, Rava of Barnish said to Ravashi, you know, if I was there, if I was there, I would have asked the guy a series of questions. I would have said to the guy, how did he kabach you? What did he kabach you with? And why did he kabach you? And I see, both say, what, what, interestingly enough, what Rava Barnish was saying was, all you need to do is ask a bunch of questions. You can figure out what the word means. In other words, Levi, this guy comes over, runs over to Levi. Levi, Levi, right? Reuven was, Reuven was kabanami. He kabanami. He kabanami. And Levi's like, okay, you know, thank you. Thank you for telling me. Right? Levi has no idea. So Rabbanish says, Levi, you know, you didn't have to go ahead and just be ignorant. Ask him a couple of questions and you can figure out what the word is. So the Gemara says, you suffer, Rebbe said, now watch this. So, okay, shkoyach. Rebbe said, you know, in general, you have to understand something. Whenever you think you have such a dramatic solution and someone wiser than you didn't think of it, chances are they thought of it, but there's a reason why they didn't utilize it. So the Gemara says, okay, lady, so lady, why didn't you ask? It's a good kasha. Why didn't you ask? Oh, you got kabbined? I'm so sorry. Who kabbined you? How did they kabbin you? And why did they kabbin you? Why didn't he ask that? So it says, you know, Levi thought that maybe Kabon was some type of illicit act. So because it was an illicit act, he was nervous to ask too many questions as, again, it would have been inappropriate. So because he thought that maybe it was like something to do with his nos, he thought maybe better not to ask. Okay, so let's listen to this. The Rabbanan did not know the meaning of the word Seirigin. The Rabbanan say the Mishnah, in the Rashi quotes over the Gemara Megillah, Mishnah Megillah, Kara Seirigin. Right? They didn't know what the word Seirigin meant. Shamu la'amsa de Rabbi, de Bey Rabbi, de Chazin hu l'Rabbanan, de Habaka Ayli, Paski, Paski. So Rabbanan say, so what happens? One time they observed the maidservant of the Rabbi. Rabbanan say, a couple of these stories are going to be about the maidservant and the Rabbi. Rabbi's maidservant was a very, very pious woman. So one time they observed that the, the, that the maidservant of Rabbi 
the students were coming in, were coming in for sheer, right? But they were trickling in, they were trickling in a couple at a time. So she gave them Musar. She said to them, she was giving them Musar, why don't you guys come on time? Why don't you guys come on time? Why aren't you all showing up to the Shir on time? Instead, you're going in, you're coming in, Seirigin, Seirigin. And they realized from her use of the word that what does Seirigin mean? Seirigin really means in Paris. In Paris. From, from Amsa de Bey Rabbi, they understood the meaning of the word. Another story. Lo my chalug lugos. The Rabbanan did not understand what the word chalug lugos means. Now, where, where, where do you see the word chalug lugos? Well, so we actually had this in Yuma. Rashi says, Shira parakam in the Yuma, kol shiva hayomim lo hayu ochal hashum v'achalug lugos. I will say, remember again, in the days leading up to, in the days leading up to Yom Kippur, there are certain things that they would withhold from the coin Gadol's diet. Among those things was something called chalug lugos. And they had no idea it was chalug lugos. Yom achad shamo la'am so the bey rabbi dechazes lahu gavra to come evad there par par pechinei. So one time they, they observed that the maid servant of rabbi saw a guy sprinkling par pechinei. Par pechinei is translated as purslane. Amrle she said to him ad mase atar mefarzer chalug legecha. How long are you going to sprinkle or scatter chalug legecha? So they understood over here that what's chalug legecha? What's chalug legos? did not understand the meaning of the phrase. Well, it's actually incredible. You know, we take it for granted. You know, we have art scroll, we have safari, we have all of these things. You don't understand something, no problem, look it up. But say, you know, there are some hard words in Tanakh, which the etymology of them are just, are just not known. So it's fascinating. So there's this Pasuk in Mishlei, Shalom HaMelech writes, Salsaleha Utiromemeka, so they didn't know what is salsa. That Tzromemeka means to be exalted. What does salsala mean? What, 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 what is that? So Yom Achad, So one day, we'll just finish with this story. One day, they heard the maidservant of Rebbe, Listen to this. They heard the maidservant of Rebbe was said to a guy who was always curling his hair. She gave him Musr. How long are you going to be curling your hair for? So they realized salsaleka means curls. We'll find one more. So we'll say they quoted this pasuk over here. What does it mean when it says when it says v'santia lemoras kapod va'agme mayim v'teitesiha bematate? So they didn't know what does it mean. We'll say now the pasuk over here is from Yeshaya talking about destruction. They did not know what it meant. So the Gemara says, Yom Shichad Yom Shama La Amsei Debe Rebbe, the Havas Amrit La Chabereser, Shakule Tetaser, Betate Besa. So one day they heard the Mesa, the Rebbe say to her friend, Take the broom and sweep the house. That's the Nabi is saying. Yerushalayim will be so desolate that it'll be swept out. It'll be swept out. Last piece. The Rabbanon did not know what does it mean when it says, Hashleich Yehavcha. Cast your Yehav on Hashem. What does that mean? One day, one day one of the rabbis was walking with a particular Arab, and the rabbi was holding a, a, a burden, a load. So the Arab said, take your load, take your load, and place it on my camel. So I will say, what's the point of all these stories? The point of all these stories is, Ezehu Chacham made me call Adam. Right? There is something to be learned from every single person. If I'm willing to humble myself, 
if I'm willing to learn from every single person, literally, there is what to learn from the Arab, there is what to learn from the Amsad the Rabbi, there is what to be learned from the maidservant. But again, a person has to have the humility and a willingness to accept Chachma wherever they can find it. Shkash Bosei will start with the Mishnah Mirat Hashem tomorrow. Shkoyach.